0: Good morning, and welcome to Covenant Community Church Online. Um, We're so glad you joined us, and um, any anonymous people that we can't see, um, you are welcome just the same. I think we think of ourselves, at least I think of us, as an informal, formal church. which means all are welcome. And um, by way of announcements, um, I invite you all to join us for a very brief Thanksgiving liturgy on Wednesday night, Thanksgiving Eve, at 6:30. Um, I think it'll just set us up for that uh, Thanksgiving time of feasting. <clears throat> uh, there are. Plans in the works, what we're going to do for Christmas on our property. I don't know if there are any reports or updates. Does anyone have any reports or updates?
1: I don't have anything about the church property, but at some point during this week, uh, you all will be getting a delivery. We have some wood that has holes in it, and there'll be candles um, for an advent wreath. Um, It's it's going to be linear, um, and you can put it on your table, mantle, wherever, just as something for us to have together. And any woodworkers out there, the disclaimer is these are not finished pieces of wood. They are intended to be rustic,
2: <laughs>
1: and any of you crafty people out there who wish to decorate them, add bows, whatever, please feel free. You're getting the basics.
0: <laughs> we're very sorry, Helen and Don and Peggy, that yeah, we may not be able to deliver to you.) <laughs> Peggy he is is muted, but um, okay. And uh, if you are um, interested in getting it and you live in the area, please put your address in the chat box, and uh, then Billy can make sure to get it to you.
1: All right. Or well, or email me because I'm not sure how I how to copy it out of the chat. Got it. This can be captured that way somehow.
0: Well, you know, you can always take your smartphone and take a picture of it. But whatever. <laughs> Jeanette. Yes. Just on the uh, just an update on the food shelf ministry. Yesterday was our November pre-Thanksgiving distribution. Um, we served about 65 families. So still, our numbers are continuing to kind of sneak up. Um, but, uh, thanks to all who have supported that ministry financially or especially during these times or by dropping your hands and non or items of non perishable good to, uh, at Price Chopper, Hannaford or the Jericho Market. So thank you for your support. All right. for the food shelf. Bob, thank you for that update. Well, welcome to uh, Covenant Community Church's Celebration of Christ the King Sunday. Um, We are going to open our time of worship with Reader's Theater. So I invite our readers uh, to unmute and everyone else to mute.
1: Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with celebration. Come before God with shouts of joy. Know that the Lord is God. God made us. We belong to God. We are God's people, the sheep of God's own pasture. Enter God's gates with thanks. Enter God's courtyards with praise. Thank God. Bless God's name. Because the Lord is good. God's loyal love lasts forever. God's faithfulness lasts generation to generation.
0: And thank you. Now, as we join together in our call to worship, please uh, mute yourselves and. Uh, You may reference the bulletin and the readings in your chat box. Right. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord.
2: Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation.
0: For the Lord is a great God.
2: A great ruler over heaven and earth.
0: Over to you, Peter, as we turn in our hymnals to.
2: Which one will it be? (laughs) Apologies for those of you who don't have hymnals this morning. I did not uh, get the lyrics to uh, Diane in time. But for those of you who have hymnals, our first hymn this morning will be number 685 in the blue hymnal. 685, I, the Lord of Sea and Sky.
0: pray, God of majesty, you love us with an everlasting love and show us the way to justice and peace. In Jesus Christ, you have reconciled the whole world to you and claimed us as your own, that we may live as his body on earth and with all the saints enter your your glory on that last day. And we pray together the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins,
3: as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead
0: us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
3: Holy God, your
0: word to us. Give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding that our eyes may be enlightened and we may know the hope to which, which we have been called through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
3: The scripture this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. This is the New Living Translation. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Meow. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared from the devil and his demons. Meow. Meow. I was thirsty and you did not give me drink.
2: <laughs> meow.
3: <laughs> home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me.
0: We have to come to terms with the fact that Jesus has not shied away from discussing the last days and coming judgment in his farewell teaching. Ironically, he's heading toward his own unjust judgment. In the past two weeks, we've studied two of three parables on the end times. The first, the story of the ten bridesmaids, bids us be prepared and watchful for Jesus' coming. Second, the parable of the faithful servants challenges us to use the financial resources with which we've been entrusted for the work of God's kingdom. And the third today is the parable of the sheep and goats. This narrative leads us to the conclusion that a person is not a follower of Christ On the basis of ancestry, ritual act, or liturgical confession. To quote Klein Snodgrass, A Christ follower is one who actually lives as Jesus lives, with compassion and obedience to God. And Jesus and Matthew, the gospel writer, are concerned with what kind of person disciples are. Are we people characterized by love and mercy? We can't claim our identity as Christ's disciples if we don't act like it. And still, this parable raises questions for us. Like, does this mean salvation is based on works? I don't think so. For one thing, this story is a piece of the gospel, a snapshot. It's a limited analogy. It doesn't address whether acts of mercy are the result of salvation or the cause. The fact is that Jesus never set faith and works in opposition. Our next concern is the implication that confessing our faith is unnecessary. Again, this parable is not meant to convey a complete theology of salvation. And we certainly cannot dismiss Jesus' clear teaching when he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God except through me. Any person, every person's salvation depends on Christ's sacrifice for us. Another sticking point arises because we live in a pluralistic society. We're uncomfortable with the idea that the goats who go into eternal punishment represent those who don't know Jesus. Hell, eternal punishment, well that's a t- taboo subject. Why would God send our righteous non-Christian friends to hell, whether they're people of other faiths or people of no declared faith? But this is clearly a story about judging all the nations with no exclusions. Once again we remind ourselves that as a parable, this isn't meant to be a realistic parable, a portrayal of judgment, or to detail the fate of those identified as goats. Judgment is actually just truth-telling, determining the facts. However, Jesus' language is harsh and makes us uncomfortable, as does much of the prophetic language in in Scripture. It's meant to shock the hearers. Now, interestingly, the term eternal can be interpreted here as lasting forever, or, or having lasting eternal consequences. Some theologians understand our consequential eternal fate as either eternal life or eternal death and John 3:16 seems to say this when Jesus says to Nicodemus that because God loves the world everyone who believes in God's son will not perish but have eternal life and perish means just that cease existing die Theologians would call this understanding of the fate of those who choose to deny God as annihilation. The punishment is death. God honors their choices to turn their backs on eternal life with God. Well, be that as it may, that is a mystery to us. But how do we reconcile a loving God who doesn't want anyone to perish because they missed the narrow way to eternal life. I believe that in Scripture, in Romans 2 and other places, it teaches us that God holds each person responsible for the light she or he receives, for the part of the gospel understanding they have. So, to sum up these insights, both things are true. We are acceptable to God through the gift of Jesus Christ's work of salvation. But only those who love their neighbors and show compassion to the distressed are acceptable to God. How we respond in both word and deed matters now and in the future. After the Holocaust, non-Jews who dared to protect Jews, were called righteous Gentiles, Gentiles who protected the least. The Jews with no one else to protect them or speak up for them. They were righteous for their actions, even though they didn't know Israel's God. The prophets describe those like this who do right because God's law is written on their hearts. They don't live by the scriptures. They don't have the book. They do what they do because it's part of who they are. In Acts, Peter meets an Italian military officer, a Gentile named Cornelius. After talking to him, he says wonderingly, I perceive that in every nation God loves those who fear him and who live according to his will. This." expansive view of the judgment of God both blows us away and comforts us. Preacher Will Williman tells a story of a Methodist minister who visited Cuba and met with a man named Santiago, an official of the government. The official, of course, was communist. During their conversation, Santiago said, This revolution will not be judged by your standards of success. It will be judged on the basis of whether or not we fed the hungry, clothed the naked, taken in the stranger, or visited the sick. That's how we will be judged. The minister commented, Captain Santiago, are you aware that you're quoting Matthew 25? Santiago replied, I don't know anything about that. But Jesus knows Santiago. It's interesting to note that both the sheep and the goats are surprised by what Christ says. The righteous sheep are surprised because they don't realize who they're ultimately serving or where their idea of morality originates. They don't know Jesus, and they wouldn't recognize him anywhere. Lord, when did we see you? Who, us? I don't remember ever having visited you, clothed you, or given you something to drink. These ignorant ones are the favored sheep. It turns out that they're caring for Jesus when they care for the least. They treat the most vulnerable people as Jesus would treat them. Without knowing Christ, they are following him. But I think many Christians misidentify people as goats when they don't have a clue who Christ is or understand his gospel. But those goats surprise us and turn out to be sheep. And we don't do well, as a matter of fact, in comparison. After all, we know Jesus. We are people of the book. We have faith. We know the end of the story. And the goats are surprised as well as the sheep. They ask, when did we ever see you and fail to show you mercy and compassion? We're nice, politically correct people who know about racism and ageism and sexism, and we take comfort in this knowledge. If we'd known it was you, we'd have given you a bottle of water, a free meal, a prison visit. We are informed voters, and we're proud of it. We're not like those far-right crazies. It's easy to hear this story and smugly identify with the sheep. We're the non-racist, non-sexist sheep. We shop local, and we get our theology from the Covenant Church. We know things. So why didn't you tell us it was you all along? Why didn't you just say something? And the answer comes, you didn't have to know it was me all along. The righteous sheep didn't either. It would have been enough for you to realize nothing more than that this little person, the least of these, was created in my image. If you'd known nothing else, and come to think of it, you did, that would have been enough. You didn't need to know it was me. All you needed to do was acknowledge their humanity their godlikeness, and you'd have done the right thing. It's surprising, isn't it, that the people in this parable who are invited into the kingdom don't know things. They haven't prayed the prayer or been baptized. They don't know the Apostles' Creed. They don't have a clue who Jesus is. Yet Jesus judges their ignorant actions to be even more Christ-like than his own people who know things but fail to follow through on what they know. The ignorant sheep may not know him, but he knows them. In the parable of the bridesmaids, Jesus says he knows who his people are. A Catholic theologian describes people who are anonymous Christians. These are people whose actions are more faithful than some who identifies faithful John Wesley comments on this parable to say that many are blessed through Christ although they don't know Christ their sheep identity comes through the needs of others are the places where everyone especially Christians meet God meets God and everyone especially Christians are accountable for our response to God. Relationship is everything. We cannot separate our relationship with Christ from our relationship with people. Once we've experienced God's mercy and grace, we're compelled to extend the same to others. The story of the sheep and goats reminds us that what we do and don't do Matters, especially when it comes to how we treat the goats on the other side of the track. Can we see the true humanity, the image of God, in those who are invisible to most of the world? We've learned, as poll predictions illustrate, that we wrongly lump people and problems together. The homeless, the addicts, the third world, the mentally disabled, the unemployed, the farmers, the undocumented undocumented aliens. Worse yet, we tend to see them as a caricature. It's too easy to characterize and dismiss millions of people with a blanket label. All Republicans, all liberals, all Latinx people. All men. And everyone in each category is more or less the same. Have we gotten to know people in different categories from us? Have we really seen them and listened to them? Do we forget that they are God's loved children made in God's image? You know, I think it would be a great spiritual practice to sit in a car near Five Corners or some equivalent in places where others of you live and just watch people go by. Maybe you know what you'll see, a harried mom with three little kids under the age of six. Two of the kids are hollering or begging to stop at Rocky's for ice cream, even as the mom is snapping in anger and maybe even being, well, a bit profane. You'll notice the rather strung-out-looking person slouching by. You'll see a well-to-do person driving by in his Lexus, or the teenager walking with head down reading something off her smartphone. You'll see a little bit of everything eventually. But it would be a good practice to say of each person, Christ loves you. I serve him if I serve you. Jesus died for each one and expects us to see him, her, that skinny one, that strung out one, that stressed out mom, and that oblivious teenager. Because each one of them, somewhere under all that exterior stuff, is made in the image of the Almighty God himself. We see Jesus and by extension, God in the people around us. What if we slow down our assumptions about the cause of social problems? What if we ask God to show exceptions to our generalities? In Thornton Wilder's Pulitzer Prize winning play, Our Town, the play's central character, Emily, is given a chance following her death to view a scene from her past. She's told that it can't be an important day, but should be a fairly ordinary time from her past. Indeed, she's told that revisiting even the least important day of of her life would teach Emily something important. Emily chooses to revisit her 12th birthday, only to discover many things about that day that she'd forgotten completely. More than that, however, she is stunned to see how fast life moves and how little she or anyone paid attention to what was happening when it was happening. In the end, Emily cannot bear to watch. I can't. I can't go on, she cries. We don't have time to look at one another. I didn't realize. So all that was going on and... We never noticed. Do any human beings ever realize life when they live it? Every, every minute? She asks. The answer is no. Instead, Emily learns that for the vast majority of people, what it means to be alive is to move about in a cloud of ignorance. Emily didn't realize She wasn't aware of the larger meaning around her every, every minute of every, every day. Similarly, we might understand that the sheep and the goats show us that the most important things we do in life are things in which at the time we see no real significance. Things like meeting Jesus when we donate warm clothes and blankets to a shelter, when we stock shelves at the food bank. When we listen compassionately to the fears and anxieties that torment that crazy uncle who believes ridiculous conspiracy theories. Professor Klein Snodgrass declares that these parables of the future are not about the future, but instead about life in the present. One way we choose to live leads to life. And one leads to death. Jesus calls us to faithful and wise living by telling these stories. Jesus seeks to persuade us to do God's will and live loving compassion. The Jesus who speaks in Matthew 25 also tells us we are saved by grace and not by what we do. But when we see the grace behind our salvation, we develop New ways of seeing everything. Grace opens our eyes to see things that we maybe would miss otherwise. Grace begins even now to give us a preview of the end of time. Grace lets us know that if one day we ask the question, Lord, when did we see you? Jesus' answer will quite probably be, when not. Amen. As we turn to our time of reflection, I just ask that you search your heart for the places where you label and generalize and dismiss people. We all do it. I do it and confess that to God who knows it already and ask him to show us the humanity the the image of God in somebody from a group that we've dismissed I
2: am come and follow me. If you follow in love, you'll learn the mystery of what you were meant.
0: Pray for us. Father, this has been a difficult parable. And yet, we want to hear what you're saying, that um, what we do matters here and now. And what we fail to do matters here and now. We are so grateful for your grace and mercy and compassion. And may we reflect that mercy, grace and compassion in our relationships with others we ask these things in your name Amen
2: so again for those with hymnals our next hymn will be number 283 in the blue hymnal 283 breathe on me breath of God Mm -hmm. certainly
0: As we come to our time of sharing, those of us who have been successful in getting back on, um, please do share your concerns and joys. Well, Benita asks us to pray for Kay as she continues to decline. Benita had to leave and to be with Kay. So, um, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And I feel the need to pray for all of our country in this coming week, that um, God would give us all wisdom and discernment and care for one another. Um, over this Thanksgiving time when we like to gather in big groups. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we praise God for the good news of a vaccine and uh, thank God for healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let me pray for us. Our shepherd satisfies our needs, and we pray in faith to you, O Lord. We pray for the church. As you've made Christ the head of all, help us to live faithfully as his body, continuing his mission in the world. O Lord, our God, we pray for the earth Let all the earth make a joyful noise to you. A song of praise to the rock of our salvation. For you are coming to reveal a new creation. And we pray for the earth. Let all the earth make a joyful noise to you. A song of praise to the rock of our salvation. For you are coming to reveal a new creation. O oh Lord, our God, we pray for all the nations. Drive out the wolves and sheep's clothing who abuse the weak and scatter the flock. Come and save us. Bring justice and peace. And, O oh Lord, our God, we pray for this community. Help us to see Christ among our neighbors, serving those who are hungry and thirsty, naked and lonely, sick or in prison. O Lord, we pray for our loved ones. Remember the people of your pasture. Rescue the lost. Bind up the broken. Heal the sick. And feed those who hunger. And, loving Shepherd, lead and guide us in green pastures and by still waters, in right paths and through dark valleys, until we feast with you in glory and dwell in your house forever. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. In gratitude for the immeasurable gift of Jesus Christ, we bring our tithes and offerings to God, and we ask our God that you use us and our gifts to feed the hungry clothe the naked, and honor your presence in all people, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
2: Gifts united by Christ the Lord of all. A single break comes. to Was nailed upon the tree and resurrected justice is right.
0: With your hearts enlightened, receive the hope to which God has called you in Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. May God who seeks the lost keep you. May God who brings back the wandering heart uphold you. May God who binds up the injured heal you. And may God who strengthens the weak, empower you now and forever. Let us sing to one another. Go in peace and joy and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, that was fun. (laughs) Oh. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I knew right away when I heard that voice. That we've been hijacked, but I, I couldn't seem to undo it, so. <laughs>